Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You know what? The truth of the matter is this. When you really experience the grace of God, when you get a hold of the reality of God's grace and His mercy and all that He's done for us, you know what it makes you want to do? It doesn't make you want to go out and sin. It makes you want to praise Jesus, and it makes you want to give your entire life to Him and do everything possible to glorify and please Him because He saved a wretch like me. That's what grace does. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his series, Jesus Encounters. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, as he examines an encounter between Jesus and the woman who was a sinner. Now, here's Pastor Brian. We're looking at this wonderful story here. And just on a personal note, this passage is one that is so, from from my perspective, it's just such a beautiful story. I've always uh, loved this story, just the, you know, the, the beauty of the way Jesus so graciously deals with this woman who is obviously a sinner. And in the story, we, we get a picture of Jesus's dealings with sinners. And so that, you know, that's part of what we're doing as we're going through this series here. Now, let's walk through the passage together. We want to look at the scene itself. We want to look at the, the Savior in particular. We want to look at the accusers that are here. We want to look at Jesus dealing with the woman. Then we want to look at the woman's response to how Jesus deals with her. So let's look at the scene. What happened is um, after after this dispute that's recorded in chapter seven uh, between the religious leaders, everyone went to his own house. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, spent the night there. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. So Jesus was teaching in the temple. Now, the reference here is to the precinct of the temple and these these porticos that where the people would gather. So Jesus would often teach there. And so here it is in the morning, And he's got a crowd around him. He's teaching. And suddenly, the whole thing is disrupted by this band of men who come basically dragging this woman before Jesus and demanding that he pass a a judgment upon her. Now, you can only imagine what a fearful moment this would have been for the woman. She's arrested, essentially, by these guys. So this is a band of self-appointed moral policemen. That's what they are. And they, they grab this woman, they take her and carry her there to the temple, and, and they put her right down before Jesus. So you can imagine that this would have been quite a frightening 
experience for her. And she was probably quite hysterical when she ended up there before Jesus. Their treatment of her was ruthless. It was heartless. It was merciless. And remember who these people are. They are the religious leaders of the day. They are the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the most devoted, Bible-believing, committed you know, people at the time. And as we pointed out before, not all of them had this hyper self-righteousness, but this band obviously did. So not only was the treatment ruthless and merciless, but notice the total injustice here. Because if the woman was indeed caught in the very act of adultery, as they said was the case, then you have to ask the question, well, where is the other person that she was engaged in adultery with? Why is there no man here? So you see that this is a completely unjust situation. But then John tells us that the whole thing was driven by deceit on the part of the leaders. The woman was just a pawn. What they were looking to do was they were looking to trap Jesus. And John tells us this. He says that, verse 4 This woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that she should be stoned, such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. So what they were trying to do was trap Jesus between violating the state's authority or compromising with the Mosaic law and losing face with the people. So if Jesus says, do stoner, then he's now immediately in conflict with the state, with the Romans, because the Romans are the only ones that can call for uh, a person's execution. So Jesus is usurping the state, and they're seeking to get him in trouble with the authorities. But if Jesus says that we're to have mercy on her, Then, of course, notice what they said. Moses in the law said to stoner. So they're looking to set Jesus against Moses, and then popular opinion would hopefully turn against him. So that's the motive with these men. This is really what's happening here, and this is what they're doing. But it it seems that they've trapped Jesus. And they, on many occasions, as we go through the Gospels, we find that they, they had sought to ensnare him. And it seems here that they, they maybe have trapped him. Years ago, I was reading the story of a man, the story of his conversion. The man's name is Arthur Katz. And he wrote a book called Ben Israel, Odyssey of a Modern Jew. Now, Arthur Katz was a left-wing radical back in the 60s. He was a Marxist. He was an atheist. He was a Jew. He was up in the Berkeley area back in those days. And yet in in the course of events, he came to search out the New Testament. And in his book, Ben Israel, Odyssey of a Modern Jew, he tells the story of reading this passage and of the impact that it had on him. And as he's telling the story of reading the, of reading the, the passage here, he's, he's telling all of the suspense that he went through as he reads the story. Now, he's not a believer at this time, but he's, he's a searcher. 
And, and listen to what he said. So he wrote this. He said, the law said the woman must be stoned. Yet Jesus had been teaching forgiveness. And earlier in the book, it actually said God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus, in his mind, Jesus was trapped. And so he goes on and he says, he says, what would I say if I were Jesus? He says, I searched my mind, exhausting my resources of logic and reason, and finally conceded there was no answer. So he's reading this story, and and in his book, he tells about how he got to this place in the story, and he just couldn't read it any further. He shut the book. It's like, no, no, no. At this this point, he's, he's being drawn to Jesus, and he feels like Jesus is in this trap. Now think about it. He's never read this story before. He doesn't know the outcome of it. So the suspense is too great for him. The fear is too great that Jesus is going to end up, you know, not being able to get out of this one. So he, he closes the book, but then he says, fully expecting the worst, I reopened the book and I read on. I, I remember reading the story years ago and I remember he was... He was on a ship somewhere and he was, you know, I remember it was cold and he was describing how he was all bundled up and the, the wind was and the spray was blowing in his face, but he just couldn't put this down. He was so captivated by it. So here at this point, he reopens the book and he read on and he said, I found Jesus bending over, poking his finger in the dirt. So We'll leave that for a moment. We'll come back to it in a second. So, but let's, let's go back to the actual scene here. So we come to look at the Savior now. So they come, they bring the woman, they set her in the midst, they accuse her. They say she's been caught in the very act of adultery. Moses said, Stoner, what do you say that we should do? And notice what Jesus does. It says that he stooped down, he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. It's so interesting, the response of Jesus. As though he did not hear them. It's like he didn't really pay attention to them. And what I'm thinking is what the woman must have felt like at this point. Because, like I said, I'm sure she was hysterical. I'm sure she's absolutely fearful uh, for her life. These guys were not messing around. They wanted to have her killed. And she doesn't know who Jesus is. She doesn't know if he's going to be the one to say, absolutely right. We got to kill her. Moses said to do it. So there she is in all of the hysteria and all of the anxiety and all of the fear. And they lay out the case. Moses said to Stoner, what do you say? And he just acts like he doesn't hear him. It's, it's fascinating to me. And I wonder if at this point there wasn't something in her own experience where maybe there was just sort of a calm that came over her, like, you know, maybe there's hope in this situation. We don't know. But the answer of Jesus was completely unanticipated and it was irrefutable. And let me pick up with Arthur Katz because remember, he just can't bear to see where this is going to go, but he opens the book and he sees that... Jesus answered them, and this is what he wrote. He said, and then came the answer, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. 
Kat says, I gasped. A sword had been plunged deep into my own being. It was numbing and shocking, yet thrilling, because the answer was so utterly perfect. It defied cerebral examination. It cut across every major issue I had ever anguished upon in my life. Truth, justice, righteousness, integrity. I knew that what I had read transcended human knowledge and comprehension. It had to be divine. This was the turning point for this man, Arthur Katz. It was this story that turned him into a believer as in Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. It was this story that impacted him. It is so impactful. And as he said, that in this answer that Jesus gave, I love the way he says, it cut across every major issue I had ever anguished upon in my life. Truth, justice, righteousness, integrity. All of those things were being displayed right there by Jesus and his dealings with this woman. And so... The accusers, Jesus says, he was without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped down and continued to write on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So this is the old, you know, whenever you point, one finger at somebody, you've got three fingers pointing back at yourself. And this is what happened with these guys. So they're all smug. They're all self-righteous. We caught this woman. We caught her in the very act of adultery. Moses says, stoner, what do you say? I the brilliance of Jesus's response. He that is without sin, let him throw the first stone. And these guys, whether Jesus had written their names alongside of their sins or not, it, they were convicted by their own conscience. And having come in and all this fury and all of this aggression, they, this is the proverbial leaving with their tail between their legs. You know, they just had to sort of embarrassingly walk away. What could they say? And Jesus then speaks now to the woman. He said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Wow, amazing. Because the reality is the one person there that day that could have condemned her was Jesus. Because he was the one person without sin. Think about that. The one that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Jesus is the only one. But what does he do? He doesn't throw a stone. He says, neither do I condemn you. And again, you see, in this, we, we just see the radical grace of God. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Our message to the world as followers of Jesus, the gospel is the good news that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. The Bible says the world is already condemned. We're condemned already. So Jesus doesn't come to condemn us. He comes to save us. He comes to save us out of the condemnation. And this story just so beautifully illustrates this, this truth. And it, it puts 
uh, flesh on this truth that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What kind of sinners? All kinds of sinners. What about adultery, caught in the very act? Yep, he came to save that too. Or whatever it might be. You know, over and over and over again, throughout the long history of the church, the extent of God's grace has been limited. And the idea of God's free grace has been not realized by, by so many. Isn't it so true that there are, there are people today that will not come into a church, not because they hate God or anything like that. They won't come into a church because they feel condemned. They feel like, you know, I'm not worthy. I can't do that. I'm, I, I'm a sinner. I've, you know, I can't go there. God doesn't want to see me in his house. They sense their own condemnation and they feel that exclusion. But what they don't know is that the Lord does not condemn them. He didn't come to condemn them. And God help us to never give them any more uh, support for their false view, but God help us as as people who have experienced God's grace to extend God's grace and to, and to show people that there's, there's nothing that anyone has done that is beyond God's ability to forgive. And that's what that woman learned on this day. And that's what her story tells us. Now, the passage itself is, is so powerful. A woman told me a story this morning, and I got to share it with you. It's a little bit of an Arthur Katz story. It was her story. And she came up to me and she said, that passage brought me to believe in Jesus out of Islam. And this is what she said. She said when she was a young girl, she was 13 years old, and the imam had told her, she lived in a Middle Eastern country, the imam had told her that because she wore fingernail polish and makeup and she liked those pretty kinds of things, that she was a sinner and she was condemned by Allah. And from the time she was a little girl, 13 years old, throughout her life, that's exactly what she felt. She lived with this sense that she was going to hell. She knew she was going to hell. She knew she was a sinner. But she said that somehow she came across this story. And she said it was this story that she read. And when she read it, she knew this is what she said to me. She said, I knew that this was the true God. And I knew that I could be forgiven. And she trusted in Jesus. I thought, wow, how powerful. God's word. But that's exactly why this story is recorded for us, right? Now, you know, the truth of the matter is, and you know, people say, you know, you're preaching too much grace and man, you preach grace and people are just gonna, you know, they're gonna live in sin and all of that. You know what? The truth of the matter is this. When you really experience the grace of God, when you get a hold of the reality of God's grace and his mercy and all that he's done for us, you know what it makes you want to do? It doesn't make you want to go out and sin. It makes you want to praise Jesus and it makes you want to give your entire life to him and do everything possible to glorify and please him because 
he saved a wretch like me. That's what grace does. Jesus, of course, knew that. And so he pours this amazing grace upon this woman. But listen, and maybe this even applies personally today to you. Maybe as you recognize yourself as a sinner, maybe all you hear is stone her, stone him. Or what I'm saying is maybe all you hear is, um, you know, there is no mercy. There is no hope. There is no forgiveness. There is no way that you could ever be right with God Know this, that is not the Savior's voice. The Savior says, no, I took your stoning. Or in other words, I died. I was slain for your sins. I died for your crimes against God and man. I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Jesus says, I do not condemn you. Not only does he say, I do not condemn you, in that he says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I receive you. And notice, finally, I have freed you. What does he say to the woman? Go and sin no more. Jesus does not condemn us. He forgives us. He receives us. But then... He tells us to go and sin no more. See, Jesus doesn't save us from our sins so we can keep living in them. Some people mistakenly think that. Oh, I'm forgiven and I just go on in this sin. No, no. The Lord says, go and sin no more. And you know, the forgiveness of Christ also supplies us with the power of the Spirit to go forward and now to live a life that honors God and glorifies God, a life that, that is a blessed life and a life that will be a blessing to others. So let's not make any mistake about it. You know, we hear a lot in the church today, and I, and I think on the one hand, it's good because I think that there has been a loss of grace in many cases. But then sometimes we, we kind of get a presentation of grace that says, you know, God loves you just as you are. Just, you know, don't worry about it. It's all his grace. You just essentially saying, just, you know, stay in your sin. Don't worry about it. It's okay. God still loves you. Well, God loves you in your sin, but he loves you too much to leave you in your sin because he knows your sin is destroying you. So he says, go and sin no more. And like I said, the beauty is that he gives us Now, what we didn't have before, he gives us the power of the Spirit to live victoriously over sin. And so one of the great personal encounters with Jesus right here, one that takes a person who is seemingly hopelessly lost and brings them in and makes them a child of God and cleanses them and restores them and empowers them to go forward. And what was true then is true today. It's still happening today. Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus forgives us and he receives us and he heals us. 
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. One of my favorite newer authors is Rebecca McLaughlin. She wrote the book Confronting Christianity a few years back, which was the book of the year at the time. And she's done a new book called Confronting Jesus. And in it, she is looking at nine encounters that people had with Jesus and answering really important questions that people are asking today. So I can't recommend Rebecca enough. She just does an excellent job. And I know you're going to appreciate this book, Confronting Jesus, by Rebecca McLaughlin. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with a Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book Confronting Jesus by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Confronting Jesus by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series, Jesus Encounters. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.